I'm Autumn Lockett. And this is Mitch Randall. And you're listening to Good Faith Weekly. Welcome to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, Autumn and I are going to catch up on the road in Raleigh, North Carolina. And then we're going to talk a little bit about President Volodymyr Zelensky's speech to the United States Congress. And then later on in the pod, Autumn and I had the distinct pleasure of sitting down with two European Baptist pastors to talk about what's going on in Ukraine and the refugee response all across Europe. It's a really good episode, so stay tuned. Rainforest, volcanoes, coastlines with crystal blue water, fresh fruit and seafood. Join Good Faith Media for an immersive experience on Hawaii's big island. Discover brilliant night skies with our friend, astrophysicist Paul Wallace. Explore and have fun with your small group of adventurers. Join us May 21st through the 28th. Learn more at faithexperiences.org. Autumn, how are things? We are on the road in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. We are. It's a little bit strange to be sitting in a brand new place, and we have some of our co-workers nearby. We are going to be covering the CBF North Carolina General Assembly. That's exactly right. So we're here among uh, friendly faces, and uh, we're excited to be uh, celebrating with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship here in North Carolina. It's going to be a great meeting, and uh, probably going to conduct some interviews while we're here. So uh, hopefully we'll be uh, bringing those to our audience next week on next week's episode. Well, Autumn, it was a pretty heavy episode this week. Uh, you Ooh, and I sat yes. down with uh, two very remarkable Baptist uh, pastors. One is the General Secretary of the European Baptist Federation, Alan Donaldson, and the other, Daniel Trozovich, is a Polish Baptist pastor. Uh, and they both talked about what was going on in Ukraine, uh, a little bit about the situation there, and then also the relief efforts that uh, are being conducted all across Europe. It mm-hmm. really, really was, a, at least for me, a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just, I mean, just they just did a wonderful job explaining what was going on. And we're continuing to pray for the Ukrainians and that peace would prevail and all of the other Europeans who are reacting in such a Christ-like manner. They are. And, you know, we are... We completed these interviews over the past few days, and at the same time, the news is reporting of news anchors who are being killed in the line of duty, and I'm listening to Alan um, and to to Daniel talk about relief efforts going into Ukraine, and just they are literally putting their lives on the line right now. Yeah, I mean, in our interview with Alan, he talks about being close to the border there in Poland and uh, watching refugees cross over and within you know 20 miles of that location the Russians uh, unloaded some bombs there so they're getting closer and closer mm-hmm. to other European countries in their violent attack right. and invasion of Ukraine well it's we're recording this on Wednesday uh, for uh, our drop on Friday and today we got to hear President Zelensky uh, give an incredible speech to the United States Congress, a joint session, both the Senate and House coming together. And Pre- President Zelensky just continues to be an inspiration to the entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people are referring to him as a modern day Churchill. 
And, you know, I just, I can't I think Churchill should be so lucky, (laughs) personally. Uh, (laughs) uh, But he's just doing an outstanding job. His his call for peaceful skies, uh, no fly zone. But he also understands the complexity of that ask. Mm -hmm. And while he has to ask and while he hopes for a no fly zone across Ukraine, he also understands that any type of conflict between the West and Russia might end up in World War III. And so he's asking for missiles to protect the skies mm-hmm. in Ukraine and called directly on President Biden as not only the leader of the United States, but the leader of the free world to act and to uh, help the Ukrainian people overcome this aggressor. And he's, he's, President Zelensky's just doing a, a marvelous job maneuvering through all of the complexities while at the same time being inspirational for his people and for his troops as they stand against this aggressor. Yeah, he really is. And I think it's Alan who talks about Zelensky mentioning that where Russia treads, freedom dies. Mm -hmm. And I think he was, uh, when Zelensky addressed Congress, he was really using those freedom type buzzwords that America, I mean, it makes us want to sing the Star Spangled Banner, right? I mean, this is what we're all about. And so I'm just so hopeful that we can continue um, in a movement toward peace. Absolutely. Well, um, we're going to cut a brief uh, introduction today because these two interviews are quite lengthy, but they are certainly worth your time and listening because uh, these two men are on the front lines working in their congregations, doing remarkable work as refugees continue to pile or to flood over the border from Ukraine into Poland and to other European countries. So stay tuned for this interview that, uh, that, we're, that Autumn and I sat down with General Secretary from the European Baptist Federation, Alan Donaldson, and Polish Baptist Pastor Daniel Trozovich. It is something you're really going to hear. Marvel at Pacific Coast Wells. Wonder in rainforests. Explore wild coastlands and towering cliffs. Join Good Faith Media for a unique and immersive experience in the Pacific Northwest and Olympic National Park. Enjoy engaging conversation with your small group of adventurers led by our team, which includes a journalist, historian, and theologian. Join us July the 23rd through 30th. Learn more at faithexperiences.org. Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, we've got a, our guest is from the European Baptist Federation, General Secretary for EBF, Reverend Alan Donaldson. Alan, we want to welcome you to Good Faith Weekly, but uh, we'd certainly like to have you back uh, under better circumstances. So uh, hope all is well. You're in Amsterdam right now, but uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's great to be back on Good Faith Weekly again. Uh, it's been a few months since I've been here, so uh, glad to be back. And yeah, sharing your concern for Ukraine just now, it's not good circumstances. Life changed for all of us a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we're just uh, desperately praying uh, that the Lord will be somehow in all of this and uh, will turn this around, the situation around. It certainly needs a miraculous transformation out there. Well, let's kind of set the stage for what's going on in Ukraine right now. Um, I had the privilege of attending the EBF annual meeting a few years ago in Lviv, 
And I know that uh, Tony Peck, who was a general secretary back then, and Elijah Brown, who was the general secretary, still is general secretary of the Baptist World Alliance, actually went out east where some of the, the conflict and cultural tensions were arising. Can you help Americans kind of understand what has been going on in Ukraine and the eastern side of the country that has led up to this Russian invasion? Yeah, certainly. For some people, they will say war started just a little over two weeks ago. But if you're Ukrainian, you talk about the war starting in 2014, mm. when uh, Russia took over Crimea. And uh, I think formally it was put that uh, groups took over Lugansk and Donetsk region. They were certainly supported uh, by Vladimir Putin. And they moved into those areas, they annexed them, and uh, they began running those states very much in a sense as if they were Russian uh, lands. And you're right, some of our Baptist leaders went there uh, after the Lviv uh, Ukrainian Council to see for themselves what life was like in those regions. And Ukrainians would say that was the start of the invasion. And uh, obviously two weeks ago, things changed and the invasion began on almost every front in the north to the uh, east and also from Crimea in the south uh, into uh, the heartland of Ukraine. Yeah, I can remember back at the uh, EVF meeting in Lviv, um, after the meeting was over, I went into the town and uh, walked through some of the beautiful cathedrals uh, that Ukraine has to offer. And I was surprised that in each cathedral that I went into, and again, this is years ago, uh, there were shrines to uh, the soldiers who had died from that area in the east, Eastern conflict. And so uh, I, I wanna set the stage that while the war has been going on for two uh, weeks right now, this conflict has, has been going on for, for years uh, and it's been leading up to this, this invasion by Russia. So, so Alan, how, how is the attitude right now in all of Europe? Um, it's a really good question that Mitch. Uh, the attitude in Europe depends on where you stay. So if you are a citizen of Moldova, which is very near Crimea, you have a suitcase packed. It is in the boot of your car or the trunk of your car, if I'm speaking to Thank you for American audience. <laughs> yeah, in the trunk. And you are ready to go at the sound of the siren mm. uh, because you believe that if the invasion increases in Ukraine that you are next. Uh, Moldova is obviously not in NATO and uh, so they are ready to flee across the Romanian uh, border. Uh, but right now Ukrainians are fleeing to Moldova and finding safety there and then some are moving over uh, into Romania as they scatter around Europe. If you're in Romania, Hungary, uh, Slovakia and Poland, you are in reception mode. You are receiving uh, two and a half million uh, refugees so far. Uh, Poland has 50% of them at least coming through their country. 
and uh, you are welcoming these refugees, you are supporting their onward movement throughout uh, Europe and around the world, and uh, you are playing host. But you are also at the same time looking across the border and wondering where will Russian invasions go next if they are successful in Ukraine? And if you're a little country like uh, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, um, you probably believe the Russians could invade you in a matter of 24 hours and your army would have no chance. And you will be relying on your NATO status to protect you. And you're not quite sure if that's going to work. That was my next question. How is the general sort of feeling about NATO's response to this? Because it's mixed here. Yeah, I'm not surprised that it's mixed here as well. Okay. Uh, we recognize, I think, widely that if NATO responds any more firmly than it has by putting either troops on the ground or uh, clearing the skies above Ukraine, that the chances are we escalate towards the dreaded third world war yes um and that there is the potential for nuclear escalation mm -hmm. and so uh there is amongst many people a sigh of relief that nato is not going to the protection of the ukrainians but of course the ukrainians are desperate for it yeah. they always speak of how glad they are to receive the uh, weapons that they have received from nato there's now talk about Polish airplanes uh, being passed around and eventually ending up in Ukrainian hands uh, for them to protect their own skies, mm -hmm. which they believe that they can protect the skies, they can hold the capital and, and hold the nation. Uh, so it's a very mixed picture here about the NATO response. Right now, the focus in government is on the humanitarian response, but I suspect if you're a citizen of Ukraine, you're also longing for a better military response. Yes. You know, Al, Al, looking at this historically, uh, Europeans cannot help but compare Putin's invasion uh, of Crimea and the Russian parts, well, Russian speaking parts of Ukraine uh, with what happened prior to World War II and yeah. Nazi Germany's. Uh, basically annexing of other countries' lands, of German-speaking uh, lands. Um, is, there, uh, is there a real fear? Do you think that fear is justified that we're looking at the potential, if we are not careful, of a quick escalation uh, of another European war, which would obviously turn into another world, uh, another world war? There, there is the fear of that. I think as long as NATO stays out, folks are fairly calm that it will not escalate in that direction. But the question will be how long can NATO stand by? Yeah. And not NATO, but the rest of the world. It doesn't just have to be NATO. How long can the rest of the world stand by and, and watch what is now being described by some as a genocide? by watching the, the flattening of cities around Ukraine, uh, watching the escalation today into new cities that hadn't experienced any bombardment up to now, but are now experiencing it. The question is how, how long does the world stand by and allow that to happen mm -hmm. to a nation 
that was a nuclear nation and was promised that the world would protect it if it gave up its nuclear arms. So there is a contract there and there, there was a deal made and the dilemma is to what extent they are protected. Well, let's move into uh, Ukraine itself. Uh, for those of us who live on the other side of the, the pond, so to speak, uh, we have been incredibly inspired by the Ukrainian people, led by their president, President Zelensky. Um, it has been something to behold the resolve and uh, just outright defiance of Russian occupation. I mean, we're, we're all sitting over here and our, our hand you know, just praying for them, but also just captivated by their response to this. Um, can you give us a little bit of sense? I mean, you have you've talked to Ukrainians, Ukrainian Baptists, and you've been in contact with them uh, for the last couple of weeks, well, even more so with uh, more so the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what we're witnessing in the Ukrainian people? So most of my contact is uh, with Ukrainian Baptists, but I was in Poland just uh, ten days ago and uh, was meeting Ukrainian people who were coming across the border. That meant I was meeting women and children. And in the refugee center, I, I did what all former youth workers know what to do. I picked up a table tennis uh, bat uh, and I stood at the table until I was joined by a few teenagers um, from mm -hmm. Ukraine. And, and we smiled and we laughed. And uh, I don't have any Ukrainian, and, and more uncomfortably, I have a tiny amount of Russian, which I was being <laughs> determined not, not to use sure. under the circumstances. Right. Uh, and, and so uh, we played a little bit of ping pong backwards and forward, and you suddenly realize I'm playing table tennis with, with boys who left their dads behind 24 hours ago, 36 hours ago. And they left their dads behind to go to war, and here they are in a refugee center playing table tennis with a strange man, maybe the same age as their dad mm -hmm. uh, from Scotland, um, who can't speak their language, but is just smiling and trying to welcome them. And I was amazed by their resilience. These young lads played table tennis, they played bar football, they drew their younger siblings alongside, and they distracted them from the realities that they were facing. Mm -hmm. And uh, these young lads were supporting their mothers who were traveling and taking the family to safety. And that was heartbreaking to watch. It was heartbreaking to reflect on. But the resilience of these young adults was incredible. Mm -hmm. And to realize had they been two years older, they wouldn't have been coming across the border. Right. But they would have been going to fight uh, in the war as most of the adult population in Ukraine has done. And uh, with no military service, they, they take up arms to defend uh, their nation. But in the Baptist churches, we also see this resilience. And we see this resilience married uh, with great grace, great humility, and a desire for God to be glorified in their reactions to the war in their nation. And, and it becomes overwhelming to see people willing to lay down their life in humanitarian response 
And so we have already heard of a 26-year-old man who brought his wife to safety in the west of Ukraine and then returned back to the borders of Kiev to help in the local Baptist church to take people to safety from the shelter they were receiving there and lost his life in a, a shell attack. Um, and that type of servanthood is ingrained in everything that they are saying and doing uh, right now. We have most contact with Lviv in Western Ukraine, where 100 um, people are being looked after in uh, church basements. And we have 15 church basements with 100 people in them. So 1,500 people being looked after in these basements by the Lviv Baptist community. We've got 165,000 euros into Ukraine already. Um, the banking system is not working, so it literally is finding people who can take that money in. But that money is going a long way because, believe it or not, in Lviv at least, uh, once refugees are getting there and they start to be fed by the, the, the churches, they are also offering from their own money mm -hmm. to pay for the food. So it costs five euros a day or five US dollars a day to feed uh, a person who's in a church bunker uh, living. And uh, the Ukrainians themselves are offering on average two and a half euros towards the cost of that food. They're actually in the dignity of the people as such that they're offering to pay. I, I met Ukrainians who had crossed the border into Poland and were staying in the Polish Baptist Seminary building, about 40 of them. Two of them were older men in their 60s and they wanted to just give back. And they were out in the garden of the seminary, sweeping up leaves, picking up branches from the storms a couple of days before. And by the end of the afternoon, the seminary garden was just sparkling in the sunshine thanks to these two Ukrainian men who were, were giving back to those who were giving to them. It's been remarkable. Wow. And that's sort of the, the, the gist of what we're getting about the Ukrainian people from their response to the situation. The last time we talked with you, Alan, we were discussing yet another giant tragedy going on, which is the pandemic and the way yeah. that the network of Baptists in Europe has approached that and has come alongside uh, faith leaders through this crisis. And I remember you talking about how you were really impressed by the way that we you could get together groups of Baptists who always have opinions about things. I will just tell you famously so, right? But because they could see this greater cause, they were really able to come together. And yeah. from what you're describing, it sounds like that's happening again. That is most definitely happening again. It's It's been overwhelming. The European Baptist Federation have been asked to run point on the Baptist global response. So we have an organization called the Baptist Forum for Aid and Development, which is a cooperative of many Baptist organizations around the world who do aid and development. And when something like this happens, uh, they pull together. So within 24 hours, uh, a meeting was scheduled. Within 36 hours, that meeting had been held. We had the Ukrainian Baptist leaders uh, as part of that meeting 
to explain what their need was. We had the Baptist leaders from the neighboring nations explaining what their need was. And together, 36 hours after the first bombs were fired, uh, the Baptists around the world had given 250,000 euros pledged from each of their reserves to go immediately to the relief work. And the Baptists on the ground in Poland, in Romania, uh, in Hungary, in Moldova, in Slovakia, were already at work. Within 12 hours of war starting, the Hungarians had the first van of aid on the way to Ukraine. They were over the border by midnight on the first day. By the next day, they had hired a warehouse in Ukraine ready to run their supplies around the whole of Ukraine from. It was remarkably fast. There was a pastor in Poland used his own money to buy 30 camp beds and put them in his church. 36 hours after war started, he phoned me and said, Alan, I've got 16 people staying in my church tonight from Ukraine. By the end of our call, he said, Alan, I've got 32 people staying in my church tonight. When I visited him four days later, he had 350 people staying in his church that night, 300 on beds and 50 on chairs. And already he had moved on about 500 people from his shelter to other shelters. There's now 40 in Poland. The, the community response of Baptists around the Ukrainian region and then around the world to support them has been colossal. I think today we've just reached the 1 million euro mark in giving towards uh, the care of refugees inside and out with Ukraine. This weekend, it will hit our churches bigger than ever. And I suspect the giving to go through the roof uh, for, for this humanitarian uh, need that is there. And uh, we are just privileged to play a small part of, of, of kind of being the organization where the money comes through in order to reach the people who are in need. I will just say, you know, watching the news out of Ukraine has been very heavy. It's, you yeah. know, we over here have the option to not watch sometimes. And I just have to say, sometimes as a mom of four, I have to just turn it off because it just feels very heavy. And we also are talking to um, a lot of people about what church it is. And yeah. this is what church is. People talk about how church is changing, but throughout history, church has been there. And I just hope we can all keep our eyes on what, what this should be and really follow the example that you all are setting. Thank you, Autumn. And if you want to see what church is, you need to look at what the Ukrainians are doing. So they're meeting in their basements for worship morning and evening every day. They're inviting those who believe to join them. They're inviting those who don't believe to join them. There's no compulsion. You get a bed, whatever. You get your food, whatever. But there is a time for prayer. There is a time for reflection. There is a time for baptisms. We are hearing of baptisms happening in the basements of these churches. We heard of four people who came to faith for the first time this past Sunday, uh, at a communion service in the basement of a Baptist church just outside Kiev. Uh, we've heard of weddings that have happened. We've even heard of a mother who gave birth in the basement of the Baptist church because no ambulance could get through. And the other woman in the community just rallied around and became the <laughs> midwives, as always used to happen in the past. Yes. And that mother and baby are doing well today. Um, so 
they are being church. They are finding the place of worship in the reality of, of pain and destruction all around them. That worship is key to what allows them to keep on going, but it hasn't stopped the mission of God either. And so they're demonstrating the mission of God in love, in kindness, and in gospel proclamation, and in the celebration of communion and baptism. And in all of that, in its most holistic form, we see the mission of God going forward in Ukraine. Well, Alan, we really appreciate uh, you uh, giving us your time uh, today. Uh, our prayers go out to the Ukrainian people, uh, all the leaders there in Ukraine and across Europe. Uh, we appreciate everything that European Baptist Federation is doing. So those of us in the States who want to help uh, the European relief effort, what can we do, Alan, to, to help and stand beside you and our fellow Ukrainians? Well, the Ukrainians will tell you to pray that God will be glorified in everything that they do. So we repeat that wherever we go. Uh, please pray for the Ukrainians. Pray, pray for peace in that land. Uh, pray for justice uh, for that land. Uh, and pray that uh, the, the witness and faithfulness of God's people would have an impact on the future uh, of that nation. But please also give, I believe in the States, it's straightforward. You can go to the Baptist World Alliance's website and you can donate directly there. You can even get your tax refund uh, sorted through that as well. So your giving goes a bit further. And that would be the most straightforward way. They are making regular transfers uh, from the US dollar over to the euro uh, so that we can then pass it into Ukraine and to the nations roundabout. So there is a direct route for giving there. Mm. Great. Well, Alan, we really appreciate it. Before we let you go, we're going to let Autumn ask our final question as she's asked all of our guests over 110 times now. But for some reason, this seems very poignant and very meaningful, uh, more so than any time we've ever asked it at Good Faith Weekly. So, Autumn, I'm going to let you ask Alan our final question. Yes, as you know, our tagline at Good Faith Media is there's more to tell. So we would love to know what your more to tell is today. My more to tell today is the pastor who preached in Ukraine, in Kiev, on hope last Sunday. And uh, he gave packets of seeds to his congregation. And he told them to go plant them when they got a chance and to wait for the harvest that would come. And uh, that, that picture of hope, uh, yeah, that's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. The trust that God would bring a harvest in the nation. Mm -hmm. there's, there's an old Mexican proverb that says, they tried to bury us, they didn't know we were seeds. And it sort of circles back to that. It's just beautiful. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Well, Alan Donaldson from European Baptist Federation, thank you once again for spending time with us. Again, we are all praying for the situation in Ukraine, that peace will prevail and that will God and God will be glorified. And as spring is right around the corner, all across this northern hemisphere, we pray that that uh, that sunflowers will bloom and that brighter days will be ahead for everyone. So thank you, sir, for joining us this week. Thank you. God bless you all.
want to ask uh, audience to stay tuned. Uh, we're going to be back with another guest here really shortly as we continue our conversation about the situation and war in Ukraine. We'll be right back. Check out Good Faith Reads, a short podcast from Good Faith Media about our books, conversations with our book authors, tips on writing a book, unique angles on good faith and book publishing. We've got dozens and dozens of episodes. Good Faith Reads. We release two new episodes each month. Learn more at goodfaithmedia.org. Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, we've got another very special guest all the way from a European country. Daniel Trusevich is a Polish Baptist pastor living in Wrocław, Poland. And he and I got to know each other a couple of years ago when I attended a European Baptist Federation meeting. And he is an outstanding pastor in Poland. And Daniel, we welcome you to Good Faith Weekly. Thank you very much, Mitch. It's my pleasure to share this time with you. Well, Daniel, as you know, three weeks ago, at the bequest of President Vladimir Putin of Russia, Russian troops began an invasion of your neighbor, Ukraine. Up to this point, as this interview is being conducted today, 2.5 million refugees have left Ukraine and have fled to border countries such as Poland. So just the first question we want to ask you, can you describe the situation in Poland in regards to the refugees arriving? Uh, first of all, in, in our country, we have been very open to, to have uh, Ukrainian people. Um, and we have had them for the last eight years, uh, because when the crisis in Luhansk uh, and Donetsk uh, started uh, in 2014, uh, the many Ukrainians started going to Poland. Uh, they, uh, most of them were simply uh, economic migrants. Uh, only some were refugees, those who came from Luhansk. But uh, so we have known them, uh, and we have also uh, uh, liked those people because they helped our economy. Mm -hmm. So maybe about two million pe Ukrainian people already were in Poland uh, before the war, before this war, uh, when uh, Putin invaded uh, the whole of Ukraine. So, uh, but now, yes, we have at least uh, almost two million more in our country. And uh, I think the, uh, the Polish people are really open, even though it's difficult for us, because uh, there are crowds in the train stations, mm -hmm. and also uh, we uh, we see that uh, our churches are open. Uh, for example, in my church, First Baptist Church of Wrocław, we have at least about 100 uh, refugees. So every corner is uh, with beds, uh, except for the sanctuary, and uh, we we cook meals for them and we uh, we give shelter so it's uh, more or less in most of our churches like that i mean baptist churches i'm not sure about other churches but also the, the government is helping uh, the ukrainian people can uh, be registered they don't need visa to come here and also they they can they 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 also have uh, uh, permit to stay for one and a half years. 
We just spoke to the General Secretary of the European Baptist Federation, Alan Donaldson, and last week he was actually at the Polish-Ukrainian border uh, evaluating, evaluating the situation, uh, talking to local Baptist pastors in that area. Now, you live uh, a little further away from the border, but what we understand is that these are waves of refugees that are continuing to flow across the Polish border. When did the first refugees arrive in your area, and are you still seeing more and more refugees coming into your city? In our city, we started having Ukrainian refugees about uh, in the first week of uh, of the war, uh, which was more than two weeks ago, and they continue coming. Um, uh, the the biggest wave was, of course, in eastern Poland. There is one church in Helm, uh, which is only 20 kilometers from from the border with Ukraine. They even had to uh, lay people on the floor in the sanctuary. There were so many of wow. those re refugees, mm. and also the restaurants were uh, providing food and all the hotels, any sort of. Uh, um, uh, a place where where people could be uh, could could have could find shelter, uh, they they opened uh, for for the refugees. Of course, some of them are just for a couple of nights and then they they go further. Uh, but in our city here in Wrocław, most of those who are with us in our church, they are some somehow related to the people who are already here. Uh, who who mm. earlier came, and they prefer to stay in our in our country until the war is over, and uh, we. Uh, but also we try to send some of them across even to Western Europe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the world has been marveling at the resolve and resilience of the Ukrainian people. Um, however, they've also been really inspired by the generosity of the Polish people. Um, why do you think Polish people have responded so generously to this situation? Uh, it's, uh, I think, because of war, mainly. Uh, but uh, the other reason is that uh, uh, it's not. Uh, we have known Ukrainian people and we have been friends with them. Uh, we there has been good friendship, I think, from uh, all from all our neighbors. Uh, I think Ukraine is now our closest neighbor, and especially I think uh, also what is important. Uh, I think um, what Polish people is do are doing now to Ukrainians. Uh, I think nobody did for us when the Second World War started in yes. 1939. Uh, and I think we simply still remember, at least uh, the older generation, or we, we know this from, uh, from stories, uh, that uh, it's so important to help the people who are uh, in danger, who, who actually uh, save their lives. They, mm -hmm. have to, they have to find some help. So I think uh, this costs us, of course. But uh, I think it's not difficult to pay this cost for us, and also we have a lot of uh, a lot of sponsors who who give us food, uh, restaurants or shops. Uh, we we uh, we have a lot of volunteers who come uh, to to our church and they and they help 
whatever needed. So this is, I think, simply sympathy, human sympathy, but also mm. God's love, which we share uh, yes. with the others. Love that. Absolutely. So what are some of the immediate needs of the refugees that you all are caring for right now? Uh, the immediate needs are food, shelter. Uh, I think also in, uh, children, the, most of those uh, are coming, uh, those mothers with children. So they need uh, the children uh, go to school mm. and uh, uh, the, the mothers, they also want to find some jobs so that uh, they can earn money. But our government provides uh, like a pocket money to 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 the grow to the adults, and also they they provide uh, um, social help to to children. Every child can get something like uh, one hundred twenty euro uh, per month. Okay. Um, yes, for uh, as long as they they should be here. Um, and uh, I think this uh, this is great help to them. So we uh, it's uh, it's actually very encouraging to see that 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 uh, that uh, there is such a great solidarity in in our nation to uh, to help uh, the people in need. Mm -hmm. Daniel, that is actually really remarkable and something that I have not thought of as of yet. We're Three weeks into this war, and refugees have been uh, have been flooding over the border, uh, finding themselves in Polish cities. And even, I mean, with after three weeks, with the women and children primarily being the refugees who are coming to the country, with the men staying behind in Ukraine and uh, fighting for their freedom, that the Polish government and communities are already starting to think about education for these children, trying to set a routine for them instead of just you know, letting them sit in a refugee center or a rescue center for hours on end. They're really starting to, to think about the mental, emotional, and intellectual uh, well-being of these children and their parents. And that's just outstanding, something I, I didn't even think about, but it's, I'm so glad to hear about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think this is important because, uh, uh, of course, the, it's, it does, it's not so easy uh, because the, the, the Ukrainian language is a little bit different uh, than Polish, mm -hmm. and uh, it's easy to under, easier to understand each other but uh, the writing is different. We use uh, Latin alphabet in Poland, and they in Ukraine they they use Cyrillic alphabet. But uh, uh, I think the children are uh, very also very well accepted in our schools, and mm -hmm. some of them uh, may uh, have even Ukrainian teachers because uh, some of the women who came from Ukraine. They are teachers, and they can find jobs in in the school in the schools in our schools. So the, the, there is this opportunity also. Uh, so it's uh, I think uh, it's uh, it's it's really really helpful to to children. And I think this is the least what we can give to them because you know we cannot we can cannot cannot give them permanent peace. Uh, which uh, could be only in their country. So we still, uh, we try to provide something that is temporary here for them. 
and of course we pray and try to do whatever we can so that uh, Ukraine should win this war because I think mm. this is uh, this is crucial um, to be uh, to be invaded like that in a, such a, a vicious and uh, uh, really um, atrocious way. I think this is uh, this is they deserve uh, to win, and I think the international community should uh, help as much as we can mm -hmm. uh, to uh, to them. And uh, I'm glad to hear that there are sanctions on uh, on on Russia, and I hope they will be effective. Well, Daniel, I appreciate you bringing that up because that's exactly what I want to talk about next. Uh, first of all, I'm just so thankful for the incredible generosity and love that the Polish people are showing to these Ukrainian refugees who are coming into your wonderful country. I mean, that is just inspirational in itself. And the world rallies around you and the Ukrainians uh, to help them in their time of need. But I do want to spend a little bit of our time together talking about the situation in Ukraine and the Russian invasion. Now, you are a resident of Poland, and the Polish people must be drawing some similar parallels with the German invasion of Poland before World War II that actually launched the Second World War. When these autocrats, such as Hitler and Putin, began to annex other countries based upon ethnic identities, it becomes very alarming. And we have, drawn, we have drawn those parallels here at Good Faith Media of how these invasions begin and then begin to multiply. What is the attitude right now in Poland as they see their neighboring country being invaded with the history that Poland has prior to World War II? Uh, for us in Poland, it's uh, it's very clear that uh, the invasion is uh, uh, not lit to say in a, uh, very softly uh, illegitimate, uh, but is really it's in fact it's very brutal uh, because uh, the Russians uh, they uh, they kill civilians, they bomb uh, cities. Uh, they don't they just they use all the sorts of weapon which is forbidden by the geneva uh, convention and uh, they 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 are really brutal um, they 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 want to uh, humiliate the nation of ukraine and uh, they they really uh, but but they cannot do it because the ukrainians are really <coughs> They, they resist uh, in, a, in a marvelous way. They are very brave people. Uh, they uh, fight against, uh, they, they defend their territory. They fight against the Russians. And also they, uh, they have a lot of uh, small victories. Mm -hmm. uh, but still, uh, we hear that, uh, that there are attacks uh, from, from Russia. And so this is uh, this is not fair. So in Poland, we uh, sympathize very much and we support Ukraine, and we uh, want very much that Ukraine is going to win this war because I think they deserve. Mm. Uh, if they win, um, with also um, the uh, 
support and solidarity of uh, all three countries, I think this this that will be unprecedented um, victory over uh, such a uh, 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 such an invader um, uh, aggressor uh, like like Russia. Mm-hmm. We can also we can only compare this to you know what they do in Ukraine. It's like in. Uh, uh, what ISIS did uh, in uh, Iraq, uh, in Syria, in in those places where they wanted to to actually eradicate everything and level down with the earth, whatever is 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 uh, has been uh, achieved by by free people. So I think this is what what President uh, uh, Zelensky from Ukraine said: wherever Russia's Russia troops come. The dreams die. Mm. I think yeah. this is symbolic. Very because, well said. You know, the, yeah. they, they, uh, the, the people of Ukraine, they love freedom. And they have right, the right to be free, like any other nation. But uh, wherever the, 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 the Russian army uh, marches, the, the dreams die. Yeah. So do you see a path out of this? And what does that look like? Uh, I I pray for the victory <clears throat> of Ukraine. I think many people do, uh, and we uh, uh, we think it is possible. Uh, it's not immediate, but uh, at some point, I think there's there will be. They would have to sit down and talk about peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, my prayer is that this will happen as soon as possible, uh, but it takes some time until uh, the, 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 the brutal invader from Kremlin uh, can understand that uh, he has come to the, to the wall and there is no way for him but to sit down and talk mm-hmm. with, 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 you know, about peace. Um, so we we pray that uh, that that there will be a plausible uh, solution found and that uh, Ukraine will remain free. Uh, so, but yeah. but uh, um, that's 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 what we desire. But the future will show yeah. what will happen. Yeah. I think uh, we also sympathize with people who are suffering, and there are already thousands of uh, civilians who died in this war and uh, not speaking about uh, um, the, the other loss, material loss. Right. Only today I heard that uh, Ukraine has already uh, been um, uh, lost with about 120 I think billion they said uh, uh, euro uh, uh, material worth, but of course this is this can be reconstructed. Uh, you, but but the people who lost their lives, they right. they cannot be resurrected. Yeah, unfortunately. Sure. So, Daniel, uh, our audience at Good Faith Weekly is primarily Americans, and so we are looking across the ocean to the European response and are inspired by it and want to help in any way we can. Obviously, our government is 
uh, issuing sanction after sanction against Russia. Hopefully that puts on a lot of pressure on them. But the American people, and in particular American Christians, want to help the Polish in their effort to reach out to these refugees. What can Americans do to help the Polish response or the overall European response to the situation in Ukraine? Yes, first of all, uh, pray. Uh, all the people who are uh, Christians should pray. Mm -hmm. We believe that God hears those prayers. Mm -hmm. And uh, by praying, we also motivate ourselves to uh, do some sort of action. Um, certainly, uh, you can, um, your people, uh, American people who love freedom, uh, can also help uh, to Ukrainian people. Uh, what is most needed, I think, is uh, lots of things, uh, um, but uh, the, the uh, probably the easiest would be to give money uh, to organizations that your people trust. There are different organizations, uh, of course, government and also uh, non-government. Uh, non-government is, uh, for example, European Baptist Federation. Uh, there are there is a lot of uh, help uh, going on uh, through EBF. And also, uh, there are other organizations. I know that our Union Baptist Union of Poland is also uh, providing much help to Ukraine. Uh, what is now most needed is uh, like this uh, uh, food um, in Ukraine, canned food, um, rice, uh, noodles, um, flour. Um, um, things like you know that that can be uh, that can last for 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 a long time, mm -hmm. and they can they should be transported. Of course, fuel is needed because in Ukraine nothing is produced now. Uh, they, they everything should be brought there. So there are also uh, uh, drivers are needed uh, who are brave enough to drive, for example, from Poland um, to Ukraine. Um, to deliver those goods. Uh, th so this is, I think, uh, what is most needed for the people who are in now in Ukraine. Uh, besides those who are already in Poland, um, there are th they are taken care of uh, quite well. But uh, we need to support uh, the fighters who are in Ukraine. And also, I think the majority of the population still there in Ukraine. Only, only like uh, maybe two and a half million uh, left, but uh, Ukraine is a big nation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They have 44 million. So uh, uh, those people uh, need, uh, uh, the, the shops are empty now uh, in, in places where the Russians uh, uh, invaded. Uh, they rob all the shops and, you know, they skip, they, they, they also uh, shoot uh, the people, uh, so people are often afraid to go out. So they 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 need to uh, somehow there there should be. But of course there are some uh, like humanitarian corridors uh, created uh, in 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 uh, uh, some places, and through those corridors some help may go. But it needs to be. Uh, uh, brought by people from outside who are brave and who know how to how to do it. 
Well, Daniel, thank you so much for that encouragement. And uh, we are certainly going to get the word out here in the United States uh, that uh, our listeners can look at a lot of these organizations. We have talked to the Baptist World Alliance with their Baptist World Aid Program and the European Baptist Federation, as I said a moment ago. We just finished uh, interviewing Alan Donaldson, the general secretary there, and he gave uh, routes for our listeners to be able to, to help in that effort. And we just want to say thank you to you personally and your church there in Poland, all the incredible generosity that you are showing the Ukrainian people. We have been heartbroken and inspired at the same time watching this situation unfold in Ukraine. So, uh, Daniel Chazovich, thank you so much for joining us at Good Faith Weekly. Our prayers are with you, the Polish people, and especially the Ukrainian people. But before we let you go, Autumn's got one last question to ask you before we sign off. Our tagline at Good Faith Media is there's more to tell. So now that we have talked to you and sort of had your perspective of what is happening on the ground as Poland renders aid and home and safety uh, to the Ukrainians, what is your more to tell? Yes, I I think uh, I can, I can uh, uh, be grateful for the uh, international bonds which we have. Um, um, so the, I think this is in the time of crisis, in the time of need, this really pays off. And we can mm-hmm. see now that uh, our, our uh, relationship, faith relationship among Baptists uh, worldwide through Baptist World Alliance and through the European Baptist Federation, uh, it's so now helpful uh, because we trust each other, we know each other. We love each other, and we can help each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I regularly hear uh, reports from uh, Ukraine from Igor Bandura, who is vice president, and from uh, of the Baptist Union there, and from uh, Valery Antoniuk, who is the president. But Igor speaks English, so he is he may be well better known in uh, in the English speaking world. But uh, this is uh, uh, I'm so grateful and. Uh, I see that uh, that our brand, our uh, uh, relationships, our faith relationships, uh, our our faith uh, bond is is really uh, doing the, the the good work, and, mm-hmm. and we and we can we can see good results, good fruit. So thank you, and God bless you also. Uh, you, we we are divided by the ocean, but we are united by faith in Christ. Ah. There you go. What a way to end. Daniel Trozovich, thank you so much for joining us at Good Faith Weekly. Our prayers and our thoughts are with you, and just keep doing the great work you're doing. You're inspiring all believers around the world, my friend. Thank you. Let's keep uh, praying for uh, peace in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And to our listeners, we want to thank you for joining us at Good Faith Weekly. Uh, it's been a very heavy episode, but we continue to pray for the Ukrainians and that peace will prevail, that they would remain safe. We also want to pray for all of these incredible caregivers in all of these countries, uh, including Poland and the surrounding countries who are giving aid to the refugees Uh, Our heart continues to break, but we are hopeful that peace can prevail. And we beseech you, O God, to bring peace and to send your peace upon this world. Until next time, folks, keep praying for Ukraine and keep living good faith.